United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Dr. Juan Diaz-Prince is United States Institute of Peace Acting Director for Inclusive Peace Processes and Reconciliation, here to talk a little Ukraine. Dr. Diaz, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Mm, really good to have you along. Uh, a lot of uh, controversy and consternation about the prospects of Ukraine sitting down to negotiate peace. Um, tell us your theory of the case. Well, let's be clear. I mean, you, Ukraine is the only one that can, or President Zelensky is the only one who can decide whether Ukraine will sit down with the Russians. And the Russians are making really extreme demands at the moment. But the reality is that even if they sat down to talk, they have nothing to give each other. Mm. Russia invaded Ukraine and Ukraine isn't going to give up its territory. And so what you have at the moment is like a win-lose situation. And it's going to continue this way for a very long time. And I think the world is in shock. The reality is that the whole European security architecture has been failing for years. And the international, you know, NATO, U.S., uh, Russia relations have also not been working very well. And so in, if you were to sit down with Ukraine and Russia, they're not going to solve the problem by themselves because Russia doesn't really care about Ukraine. It mm-hmm. cares about its relationship with the United States and its position and its standing in the world. So if you're going to inject any kind of inducement incentive into the negotiation, it's going to have to come with negotiating a new security architecture for Europe and a new relationship with the United States. Who who do you think ideally would be sitting down with these two countries to work this out? There has to be a third, fourth, fifth party involved. So that's a really interesting question. I recently was um, reflecting on this issue that Turkey has been gaining a lot of credibility. Turkey has a very good relationship with Europe. It's a member of NATO. It has a self-interest in peace in the region. It definitely doesn't want Russia to dominate the region or Turkey. And I think that Turkey would be an interesting candidate to play an honest broker role in the whole um, multilateral negotiations. Turkey does have those interests, but that can they be trusted to be an honest broker? I mean, Erdogan, it just seems like a troublemaker who's in it for himself to get whatever he can out of this process, including the NATO expansion. Sure, I, I agree with you that um, politically it's it's questionable. You know, the theories of, of mediation always say the mediator should be impartial and not self-interested. But in this particular case, what... You know, we haven't had any great power conflicts in a long time. And mm. I must say, I think we're all in shock. Yes. Right? Yes. So uh, so we got to try everything and we got to try every avenue until the right one fits. We, we can't take anything off the table. Uh, so you, you write about um, some essentials for the peace process and a way to draw Putin into this process. As you say, he's not incentivized to participate. No, not at all. And, um, you know, I mentioned something somewhat controversial in my, in my article, which is the idea of peacekeepers in Ukraine. Mm. It, you know, it's a, standard, it's a standard recommendation you make anywhere else in the world um, that if you have belligerent parties and you need to kind of a cooling off period, um, you, you think about whether a peacekeeping mission 
might be helpful. Now, I was thinking about this. Russia's not going to give up the territory it's won to Ukraine without getting something substantial from NATO or from the United States. At the same time, Ukraine is not going to give up its territory to Russia. So if you think about putting for, at least for a time, some kind of peacekeeping force, and this is controversial because the, the first question is who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my whole article is about, well, we need to start thinking about it. If you put peacekeepers in the middle and say, until there's a final solution, you know, these peacekeepers are going to make sure that the, the line of contact is not so close to each other. If you, if you know a little bit about Ukraine, you know that there's been a line of contact and there's been violations of the ceasefire for years, right? They've mm-hmm. been, they have been shooting at each other. So you need to move them a little further back and say, you know what? Why don't you take a break? And so the idea of what kind of peacekeeping mission, we need to start thinking about the potential for that. I mean, the UN is um, an obvious choice, but they seem so checked out from this whole conflict or so irrelevant to it. So yes and no. We're having progress at humanitarian negotiations. You'll find that the UN is working with the parties to try to get grain out and things like that. The UN does good humanitarian negotiations. And I think the UN is an obvious choice. The question is, who in the UN will put up the peacekeepers and how it's obviously can't be the European Union. It obviously can't be the United States. It can't be Russia. So you're running out of countries, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't have a simple answer for you, but my whole, I, my whole argument is we need to start at least mapping these things out and seeing how they play out, do some scenario planning, do some, some kind of thinking on it to have some options on the table because Russia's not moving. As a matter of fact, right now, it's feeling emboldened because it's won some territory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're going to have to think what else is possible to get Russia to climb down. I mean, I'm seeing headlines now about Russia looking to expand its invasion deeper into Europe, that kind of thing. I don't even know if they have the capacity for that. But on the other side, Dr. Diaz, I think there's a legitimate question about when this does wrap up, what is Russia's place in the world? Is it is it a deeply diminished, rogue, hermit country? Uh, or, or does it still have have a place in, in Europe? And I wonder if those kinds of considerations could could come into the negotiations. Would that be part of the peace negotiations? I think so. I think this is the, the main motivation behind Russia since probably uh, since it took Crimea. For a long time, Russia has not played an important role, and it's been complaining and complaining. And we in the West haven't taken Russia that serious. Um, And I think by negotiating a new European security architecture, Russia's Russia's not going to go away. I don't think it's going to be diminished. As a matter of fact, I think this will go on for a long, long time if we don't find a way to integrate Russia better the devil you know mm, right true so I, I i definitely it's not about becoming economically dependent again i think the germans woke up to that i think the germans realize oh no we don't want to do this again but the question is can we find a way for russia to play a constructive role and have that respect that it so desperately wants and give up some of these adventures which is actually causing its demise well, and and the and the struggle of not appearing to reward them for what the you know this invasion that most of the world has recoiled at, and that's it. We don't, and that's the trick. We don't want to reward them, 
And that's why you need three tables. And the idea for this is the idea that, you know, I work on negotiations. You link progress with Ukraine on progress with the other tables, meaning the European Union negotiations and the negotiations with the US and NATO. And you say, there's no deal until all three negotiations have come to successful conclusion. That might incentivize Russia because it'll feel it is beginning to play a role. I don't know if you know, but the European Union and Russia haven't sat down to talk since 2014 when Russia took Crimea. Right. Right. That's the same year. Years. Right. The same year Russia was kicked out of the G8. So I know they've exactly been, they've been hurting. We since haven't then. really that we haven't really sat down with uh, with Russia in a very long talk, time to talk about geopolitical issues. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of saying talking doesn't mean yes. Talking <laughs> means let's keep talking. I like that. I like that a lot. Dr. Juan Diaz-Prince, United States Institute of Peace, Acting Director for Inclusive Peace Processes and Reconciliation. Dr. Diaz, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. Good Have to a talk. great day. You too. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.